0: Okay, so uh, hopefully uh, everybody signed in and there's handouts over on the table where the sign-in sheet is. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. So last Friday, I started by talking about uh, Thomas and the resurrection appearance and uh, gazing upon the wounds of Christ. And I talked a little bit about our wounds, and how we, uh, we tend to focus upon our wounds. Now, just kind of to refresh, um, it is healthy for us through confession and absolution uh, to think about uh, the things that afflict us uh, in terms of what we have done uh, and then confess it. But, you know, there's a deeper side to confession and absolution where we, um, we reflect on what we've done or left undone, but sometimes we also reflect on the wounds that have been inflicted upon us uh, because there's a lot of evil in the world and there's a lot around us. And the spiritual nature of confession and absolution is also uh, to come to terms with how do we live on as Christians In the midst of um, our pain, uh, the things that have been done to us. And today, we're going to look at blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. So if you could open up in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And let's just read through it to get the sense and then, and then let's talk about it. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, one of the things with me is I love, I love the Greek New Testament. And so I get kind of crazy sometimes with Greek, and, um, but I'll explain it. Um, this is one of those great examples, especially this text, about how uh, the Greek New Testament really pulls out some details that, that we often miss. Uh, if we read it too quickly, we just read it in English. But you know, you think about um, a person like blind Bartimaeus uh, in that first-century uh, Jewish context. Uh, what would what would that person's life have been like in those days? Um, in those days, uh, that that infirmity would have made life very difficult for the person. Um, For one thing, uh, the person wouldn't be able to get in to the temple. um, And so they're kind of cut off from the spiritual gifts. But then also just the regular, you know, modes of society of of working and making a living would have been really hard. And so um, Bartimaeus is, as we're told in the text, a beggar. Um, What's interesting about this text is it says at the beginning that they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, blind Bartimaeus is there. So there's something about Jericho. And if you look at the Old Testament, Jericho had kind of a spotty history Uh, it was a city first conquered by Israel upon entering the promised land in Joshua chapter 5. And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, Joshua himself placed a curse upon anyone who would rebuild the city. And what happened was, in the course of time, a couple people did rebuild the city, uh, particularly, as the handout says, Heel of Bethel rebuilt the city at the cost of the lives of two of his sons. But then later on, the city of Jericho appears to have been the home of a school for the prophets. And so this is where Elijah and Elisha meet up and, and converse. So there's something about Jericho later later on in the Old Testament where it's a place of prophetic activity and learning. And so Jesus, you know, it's mentioned that Jesus comes into Jericho with his disciples and then they leave. And you're like, why is that at the beginning? I mean, who cares, right? (laughs) So they went to Jericho and they left. All right, whatever. But it's, it's signaling for us that Jesus is a prophet and more than a prophet, he is the Savior. So he, he can do amazing things. Well, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, there is spiritual language all over the place. Like the idea of a road is... More than just a road. Uh, To be on a road is to be on the way of either destruction or salvation. And this actually is um, how the book of Psalms opens up. Just take a quick gander at Psalm 1 and just look at this. This is, I think, prescriptive of... This word and the importance of being on the right road. So, Psalm chapter 1, you could break it down. Psalm 1 lays out the, the Psalms for us, and it talks about two roads or two ways. And you could break Psalm 1 down by, so verses 1 through 3 would be the way or the road of righteousness. Verses 4 and 5 would be the road or the way of wickedness. And then Psalm 6, or verse 6, sums it up. Then verse four and five, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And then the summary, verse six, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So way and road, it's the same word. And in Greek, it's hadas, okay? Well, this factors in with our gospel reading for this morning because as this text, as this story unfolds, Bartimaeus to the people is is cursed. And, And yet... He's the one that has this amazing confession of faith. So, if you take a look at the handout, look at the bottom of of the first page. So I put it in Greek first, and then I have the English, and I have it color-coded so you can see what goes with what. So Bartimaeus is called the son of Timaeus. Now in Greek, Timaeus means honor. So Timaeus was an honorable man, an honorable and upright man. And so Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus literally means son of honor. But in this text, he is referred to at the same time as Bartimaeus. He's, he's referred to as the blind one and a beggar. So he has a few designations here. Bartimaeus, son of honor, the blind one, and a beggar. And it says, literally in Greek, that he's placed off the road. Okay? So, this is spiritual. It's not just like, well, they just place him somewhere, and they had to place him somewhere, so there he is. But it literally means he's placed off the road. So, if you look at Psalm 1, there's the road of the righteous and the road of the wicked. So... Bartimaeus, by being placed off the road, signifies something in the text that to the people he 's cursed, and therefore his lot is with the wicked, okay now, think about that in terms of just life and the world and and wounds and Pain. Uh, as I talked about last week, when we have our wounds and our pain from either the things that we've done or left undone or the things that have been inflicted upon us, the devil likes to isolate. And he isolates by us only gazing upon our wounds and how he does it is we, we look at our wounds, we see what's happened, we keep thinking about it, and at first we're trying to come to terms with it and how to deal with it. But then if we are not able to come to terms with our wounds and how to deal with those wounds, then we start to despair and we and we could lose heart and we we could lose faith and so you know as the disciples last week gazed and mused upon the wounds of Jesus that's what we're to do hey there's handouts over there and so this is this is the lot for Bartimaeus Now, if you just turn the page over. In this text, in verses 49 and 51, Bartimaeus is referred to as the blind one. And so, in that culture, even if Bartimaeus would like to forget about this affliction, the culture won't let him. And so, you know, this is what often happens in our world. So, you know, this is talking about Bartimaeus' blindness, but you could take this and apply it to any wound or affliction in your life. It could be uh, things that relationships you've had in the past where people have hurt you terribly. It could be your own past sins where you can't let go of the things that you have done or said. And we know what that does, right? Over time, it just eats away at you, right? You just become, either become really angry or or you lose, you lose courage. This this happens in our culture with so many things. I mean, you know, so often, um, gosh, you know, you see it in so many different avenues in our culture. Like, you know, I think about. Um, you know, I think about what's going on in Portland, you know, everybody know what, what's going on and continues to go on in Portland with just protests. And, you know, you know, you have uh, Antifa on the one side, and you have the Proud Boys on the other. And, you know, what have these things done? But, you know, they've become their own burr under the saddle. And, and you know, there's no Peace. And, and what happens with, with wounds is if we're not gazing in the right direction, uh, eventually we can begin to use our wounds to inflict others. And so for this text, Bartimaeus is showing us, in spite of his infirmity, how to, how to gaze and how, how to deal with it. So with Bartimaeus, his identity is defined by his blindness. He cannot escape it. Bartimaeus is considered unclean. Leviticus 21, 18, for no one who has a blemish shall draw near. But then St. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 34 We see a blind man receives his sight there. And the discussion prompted by the disciples was who sinned. So see, culturally at that time, whenever they'd see like blind Bartimaeus, they'd want to know who sinned. Did he sin? Did one of his family members sin? And so... 2 Samuel 5, verse 8, even King David had said, which I didn't realize this until I was preparing this, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house or the temple. So imagine blind Bartimaeus being cut off from society, basically. But then in those days, if you couldn't go to temple... You were then also cut off from God. So Bartimaeus's life, his wound, his affliction, prevented him from the vertical love that he could receive from God, but he was also prevented from the horizontal love from neighbor to neighbor. So here you see almost, if you can look at this, if you can look at this text like an icon and you look at the spiritual aspects of it, what do you see? A cross. Yeah. Exactly, see a cross. I don't understand how he had the faith that he had when he was cut off from God. Exactly. He's cut off from God, so how does he have how does he have this faith? I mean, it's it's miraculous, isn't it? And So, you know, he is isolated. And so if you look at this text spiritually and then apply it to your life, the devil tries to do the same thing with us, but in different ways. It could be temptations that continue to poke at you. Um... Or these other things that I've mentioned before. Was Bartimaeus in the way? Was he in the way? Or was he not? And he just cried to Jesus because he heard that Jesus healed himself. Well, because it says he's off the road. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I just wonder. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's something connected to the fact that Jesus goes into Jericho and then comes out of Jericho. And and in the Old Testament, at the time of Elijah and Elisha, there was a school of prophets in, in Jericho. Here's something else that's very interesting. So you're all familiar with Elijah and then Elisha. And I'll talk about this another time in more detail. But just briefly, Elijah... Is then associated with what New Testament figure? Who? John the Baptist. Okay. So then Jesus is like Elisha. And it comes out in different ways because Elisha actually does more miracles, and the miracles are similar to some of the miracles that Jesus does. The difference is when Jesus does them, they're really big. So like Elisha has this miraculous feeding of, you know, a hundred people or whatever. Then Jesus does it and 5,000 plus, you know. Um, So I think there's something about this where Jesus is like Elisha He's like a prophet, but he's way more than a prophet. He's the savior. And so, you know, they place the, the beggar, the blind beggar, off the road. But maybe, maybe he'll get the droppings of a miracle or something. So in verse 47. 47. Bartimaeus, upon hearing of the coming of Jesus, begins to cry out, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me." And so in the world, there's always those who are in and there are always those who are out, there' are the accepted of society and the outcasts. How is the church different? How is Jesus different? So, you know, out in Portland, you know, you have Antifa and you have the Proud Boys and they're protesting against each other and there's a lot of anger and frustration. And, you know, in the world, there's just general dissension and there's you're in and you're out. But how is Jesus different? Say that again? Everybody's in and nobody's out. Right. If you just come to the feet of Jesus to receive a blessing, everybody's in and nobody's out. And the buzzword in our culture today is shaming. And the world's approach to acceptance and approval without Jesus is that it creates a new order still it creates a new order of who's in and who's out who is accepted and who is rejected the gospel looks at these things differently the church views everything through the lens of jesus we have the creed that spells out through the three articles how one is approached and brought into holy community and so you know if you think about bartimaeus is alone off the road he's outside of the church all he has is his festering wound, that inflicts his life on every side. But there's one who can change all that. Sustained medit- so sustained meditation upon our wounds without mercy will leave us exasperated and either despairing or bitter. The third article of the the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So here we find that the coming of Jesus restores us to the Heavenly Father, and the coming of the Holy Spirit to us happens in concert with the Church. We are restored to holy community. And the third article, I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, but the third article of the Creed is an article of hope. Because it speaks of being restored to holy community and eternal peace. It speaks of things in the present and things yet to come. And Luther's large catechism says, it is the mother that begets And bears every Christian through the word of God. The Holy Spirit reveals and preaches the word. And by it he illumines and kindles hearts. So that they grasp and accept it, cling to it, and persevere in it. So how does the crowd respond to his cries? I mean, that's a great thing, right? He's crying out to Jesus. And the crowd's watching on. And perhaps the crowd has even seen Jesus do a miracle or two, right? I mean, because that's what crowds do, right? This guy, there's something about this guy. He's doing things. I want to watch him. And maybe I can catch a little of this along the way. So here's this blind beggar off the road. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How would you respond at the beginning? You'd be like, hey, come on in. Maybe you can grab a little some of this too. I mean, that's what we would think, right? But what does the crowd do? Be quiet. Yeah, be quiet. They rebuke him. So here's the thing. Bartimaeus is gazing upon Jesus in the midst of his wound, which is exactly what the church is supposed to do. But the crowd won't let him forget about his festering wound because they rebuke him and tell him to be silent. And I put the Greek here. They rebuked him, and it's in green, if you can kind of see that. It's the, it's the, the, first, the first two, well, the, the, the chi and then the next two words, epitimon auto. Well, look at the words, if you could just kind of see the letters, epitimone and then temayu. See the T and the I and then that weird looking thing that looks like a U. They're in both words. So you know what that means? The, the word for rebuke comes from the same word for Timaeus. But the way that it's used is when they're when they're rebuking him, they're saying, "You're not honorable. So be quiet." So, in other words, what they're saying is, um, "What are you doing over there? Don't forget your wound, your infirmity. You have no business crying out to." This Holy One who walks along the path? Because keep in mind, Jesus is walking on the road and the disciples are walking on the road. This gospel is, is full of the language of location. And the scriptures often are. Where are you in all of this? So if you look at this text Spiritually, in an iconic sort of a way, the fact that Bartimaeus is off the road and everybody else is on the road suggests everybody on the road with Jesus is experiencing blessing. That one over there is experiencing cursing. And yet, that one's trying to forget his his wounds and he's confessing faith in Jesus. And then the crowd says, "Don't forget your wounds. Be quiet." And this is so often. This is demonic. And so for us, it's really important to remember. Yes, Holly, were. I was just going to say, the people that were duped were they on the way also? It's questionable. Good question. Are, Are those people? Along the way, are they actually on the way also? I'm not so sure because the Greek says polloi, the many. But in Greek literature, the nobility would refer to the unnamed masses as the hoi polloi, which would mean they were detestable. Isn't that Interesting. So the detestable, who are probably then maybe on the fence or just kind of onlookers, they're the ones saying, be quiet. He's the only one confessing Jesus, Son of David, and asking for mercy. And so think about if you're, picture this, okay? So I know some of you love art. Paint this icon into your mind. You know, you have along the road all these beautiful, vibrant colors, you know. Jesus Jesus walks and flows, and in his trail are all these colors, you know, yellow hues and red and blues and greens. And then off the side of the road is darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so here, yeah, no, this is good. So, so here's the reversal, right? This is the the nature of the gospels reversal that all that color perhaps is being missed by the, the many, the polloi, because they don't understand the critical thing With Jesus. But Bartimaeus. Says it. Mercy. Mercy. So you know. All those colors of the gospel then. As if the wind shifts. Swifts over to. Bartimaeus. And so think about. For just a second, I see I'm going to run out of time and this is always going to be a problem for me. (laughs) Um, John Cassian, who was an early ascetic in the 400s, he talked about the noonday demon. And he associates it with uh, Psalm 91 verse 6. uh, Pestilence that lays waste at noonday. And it is what this noonday demon does is he creates anxiety first, but then he creates this climate where you look around and everything is just kind of dark. Hence, what happened at noon when Jesus was on the cross? It goes, everything goes dark, right? From noon to three, So Jesus experiences the noonday pestilence. This demonic, just spiritual, just kind of apathy. And this happens to people. Our wounds, if we cannot find Christ's mercy in the midst of our wounds then we can then get to a point where we experience this apathy, this anxiety, this listlessness, where we look around and everything's wrong. Everything's wrong with the people around me. Everything's wrong with the place where I live. Everything's wrong with every circumstance in my life. But it all comes from what's in the core, which is that gaping wound that I can't forget and the world won't let me forget. But Bartimaeus says it, mercy. They rebuke him. But in verse 48, he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy upon me. So Bartimaeus is showing us how to meditate upon the wounds of Jesus in the midst of our own. So we feel it, we feel the world, we feel sin, we feel pain. But look instead to Jesus. Look into the Gospels. Look into this text and find yourself as Bartimaeus, but... What happens? Mercy. Lord, mercy. Isn't that what confession and absolution is all the time? Lord, have mercy. Strengthen me. Change me. Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, which I have printed for us here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Hear that? Every sin, every weight and sin which clings so closely. Lay it aside. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So that passage actually plays itself out in the story of blind Bartimaeus. How? Surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, church and saints. Jesus and the disciples who approach. Cast away or lay aside every weight or impediment or swelling and those closely clinging sins. The blind man, so what happens? The blind man casts away his cloak. Because what happens? Jesus stops and what does he say after that second? That second cry, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. Hear that? Take heart in Greek actually means courage. Have the courage in the midst of your wounds to look to Jesus. So what happens? Take heart, get up. He is calling you. The get up is resurrection language. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. In the Hebrews 12 passage, cast away every weight and sin. The blind man casts away his cloak. Run with patient endurance. Endurance. Patiently endure the struggles. The blind man goes to Jesus. Now, location. He was off the road. Jesus is on the road. Jesus calls him. So, what does he do? He goes on the road. I mean, this stuff happens all the time in the Bible this on the road, off the road stuff. Um, we're going to look at uh, St. Paul's conversion one of these days. It's the same thing, it's amazing. So Jesus then, verses 50 and 51, Bartimaeus comes onto the road and Jesus asks, what do you desire? So these are, this is a question of the heart. And Bartimaeus says, Rabboni, I want to see. Now here's the thing. He doesn't want to just see the casserole that he's going to eat at supper time. (laughs) But he actually, the Greek, he wants to see things above. So the word for, you have the word for see, and then if you put a prefix on it, a prefix will indicate direction. And so the prefix with the word see is upward seeing. Same thing happens when uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John's gospel. And he says you have to be born again. It's, Born from above. It's the same prefix. I want to see the things up up there. And so Bartimaeus is saying, I want to see the things above. I want to see the heavenly things. He wants to see Jesus. He wants to see the wounds that Jesus will have. Because he knows that the world will disappoint. Sin will always do what sin does. Evil will always do what evil does. But the mercy of Jesus will turn that around. And so that's the thing for you and for me, is that the things that trouble you, don't let them trouble you any longer because Jesus has, he is the antidote. And he comes with that colorful mercy. And as that colorful mercy then colors you into the icon and on the road, you become different. And I mean, this is, you know, I'm using all this like art language and color language. But I mean, it's, it's actually in the scriptures. Because if you just kind of look, go to Ephesians real quick. And this is amazing to me. Ephesians 3 verse 10. It says alright I'll start at verse 8. To me so this is Ephesians 3.8 To me though I am the very least of all the saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the manifold wisdom of God, manifold in this text in Greek, is polypoecolous. And what that word means is variegated, but what it actually means is multicolored. So the wisdom of God is not just, you know, you get two colors, black and white, and that's it. <laughs> no, the holy life, the, the holy life of wisdom is full of color. And so Bartimaeus What happens? But he wants to see the things above. And what does Jesus do? He says, go your way, your faith has saved you. And he gives him back his sight. And the text ends. By saying in verse 52. And I have it in the Greek. Go, your faith has saved you. Saved as a perfect tense, which means it's complete. It's done. And immediately he saw, saw things above, and then it ends. And he followed him on the road. So, for us, if you think about just the holy life. It is it is the devil's trick to cause us to languish in the midst of trouble and hardship and sin or in our infirmities. But the mercy, which, G, which Bartimaeus highlights, changes everything around. And we can look up and we gaze upon the wounds of Jesus and we journey with him. And as we journey with him, the colorful life of holiness that exudes and flows out of Jesus flows into your life. And the wounds are, he's sealing them up as you walk. And he's preparing you for the eternal inheritance which is that eternal hope that has no end and so we can be mindful that because of Christ's continual mercy we can hold our head up as we walk in through this life and we can find peace and we can find joy along with that hope and it brings just a beautiful color to every aspect of our life through the cross through the gift of Christ which never ends but but always always flows and so we behold the crucifix we behold Jesus we behold Jesus in the eucharist and there, Jesus is giving us that colorful wisdom and mercy to heal us. So in our wounds, we take our wounds to the altar and we kneel. And it is there as you're being fed with the body and blood of Christ that Jesus does his work of continuing you on the road as he begins to work with you through the things which hinder and trouble you. I see it's time to go. So <clears throat> if we could, let's, let's go ahead and close with prayer. And then uh, if you have any questions, we, I can talk afterwards. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, source of every blessing, Mercifully direct and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that we may complete the works you have prepared for us to do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.